look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. Welcome to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We've got a really interesting show today. We're going to be talking about making sure that you get the most out of retirement, including talking about a survey that looked at some surprising reasons that Canadians might not be enjoying retirement as much as they expected. We're also going to take a a closer look at uh, a new way that Canadians should consider calculating how much money they're going to need for retirement. That's a question that we get asked all the time. And then is there such a thing as too much money? Hmm, interesting question. We're going to discuss that possibility. Andrew, I think we have found the fountain of youth. Not you really? and me. We're not smart yeah. enough to figure that out. And where is it located? We might, we might have stumbled across <laughs> it. We've got uh, Dr. Greg Fay. He's a chief scientific officer and co-founder of a company called Inter, um, Intervene Immune. Uh, Dr. Fay, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Happy to all be right. here. Well, thank you for joining us because, uh, you know, maybe that's a bit dramatic in terms of the introduction here, but... Uh, I was reading some research, or, or I guess some results of some research that you were doing, and you you may have stumbled across some uh, some interesting material here. So, Fountain of Youth, everybody's thinking about reversing aging, and I'm not like Andrew here is is desperately old and chronologically can't do anything about that. Thanks, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> <laughs> However, biologically, uh, you may have stumbled across something that uh, that could help us maybe reverse that process a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about the trial you were running and sort of what you stumbled upon here? Sure. Um, the reason that we did the trial in the first place was to dr- uh, address a very specific aspect of aging, which is immunological aging. Uh, if you look at the statistics, you'll find that everybody that gets uh, the flu uh, or dies of pneumonia tends to be over 65. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we thought we could maybe stop that by regrowing your immune system. Your, your immune system depends on a gland that's in your chest cavity called the thymus. Most people don't even know about it exactly, but uh, without it, we'd all be dead. And unfortunately, we start to lose the thymus about the time we go through sexual maturity, in other words, puberty. And uh, by the time you get to 40, you don't have a great deal of thymus left. But the thymus makes T-cells, which guard your body against infectious disease and cancer. And so we kind of thought it was going to be important to maintain your thymus and maintain your T-cell production. And it turns out that there's uh, some clues in the scientific literature about how to do that. So we went about uh, regrowing the thymus, and we had some success with that. Very statistically significant results, and we saw signs of reversal of the immunosenescent trends that normally would be there. But along the way, we also found this other rather extraordinary effect, which is does, in fact, indicate that uh, at least it looks like uh, it's possible for human aging to run in reverse uh, if you do the right thing. So uh, this opens up some very interesting possibilities. Well, let's talk about those possibilities. You've got, you've got our attention now. I yeah. mean, when I was reading this, I thought, well, this is... Um this is, uh, this is really interesting. Maybe you can explain to us sort of what you mean, first of all, biological versus chronological aging or immunolog- immunological. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a difference. So uh, a lot of people uh, are the same age, uh, but those people all of the same chronological age tend to be pretty different in terms of their biological age. 
And so if we want to look at um, what might change aging in humans, we have to be able to measure it. We can't just rely on your chronological age. We have to be able to know your biological age, how, how old you really are on a cellular level. And it turns out that a technique for doing that was developed a few years ago, and we have the great uh, privilege of being able to apply that to the people in our trial. And we found that, at least biologically speaking, uh, the people were younger at the end of the trial than they were at the beginning. And there was it was significant. I'm, we're talking a couple of years or more in in many cases. Now, this was a this was a small trial to begin with. What? Um, tell me what has to happen now. So if, if we've stumbled on this and it looks like you could reverse things, biological signs of aging, and you know, now you're chronologically 65 and more you know, susceptible to, say, the flu, but you know, uh, biologically maybe you're 55 years old and less susceptible. What, what are the implications of this, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to? Well, uh, there are probably a great number of implications, both practical ones for your future health and also scientific ones, mm-hmm. sort of understanding, actually, what we have done. Uh, we're not quite sure how we accomplished what we accomplished. The mechanisms have not been established yet, so we're going to have to do some background science and sort of catch up to the results that we achieved. Mm-hmm. But in terms of our own lives, uh, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to get... Uh, you know, pneumonia uh, after we got to be 65 or so, if we didn't have to die of the flu, uh, if we had new diseases coming along that we don't have vaccines for, wouldn't it be nice if our immune systems could protect us better for longer? And the other side of it, it seems like the immune system and aging are more deeply connected than meets the eye at first. So if we can improve your immune system, we can roll back your aging at the same time, you're just healthier for longer. And one of the big problems we have as a society is that we're accumulating more and more old people, and there's fewer and fewer younger people to pay the bills. And if the people don't get older as fast, or if they can actually take a time out uh, from aging, uh, put aging on hold or even roll it back, then that whole huge uh, demographic problem starts to become a lot smaller. So uh, there's many, many uh, implications of this, I think. My, my first thought when I was reading through the summary of the results um, was around, just around what you were touching on, sort of the, the healthcare system. We've got an aging demographic that's putting a lot of pressure, and it's only begun, on the healthcare system. Uh, and there's things, obviously, that each of us can be doing to try to uh, minimize uh, our, the strain we personally put on the, the healthcare system. But if we can actually get our, our bodies stronger from... Uh, you know, the immune system fighting more and more disease on our own uh, versus having to rely on the medical system. You know, we're going to have to, in my opinion, rely on technology, whether it's our own biological technology or other technology, really to, I think, um, support that big wave that you've referred to that's coming from a healthcare perspective. I, I, I think that's massive. Now, these these trials take a long time. Like you said, you haven't even established what the mechanism is to do that. So tell us a little bit about what has to happen next. Right. So we are looking to set up another trial. It's going to be an extension of our original trial. The original trial was called the TRIM trial, uh, and we're going to call this the TRIM-X trial to, to indicate we're going to try to replicate our previous results and go beyond them. So one of the things that we want to do is to develop a version of our treatment that's more affordable for the average person mm-hmm. and more convenient for the average person 
and also that we can study in more detail. So we're hoping to set that up, fingers crossed, before the end of the year in Southern California. And uh, if we can get that established, then another couple of years from now, we'll have a lot more information and we'll be able to uh, maybe start getting this close to being deployable clinically. One good thing about our treatment, surprising as this may seem, is that uh, all of the elements of the treatment are very uh, familiar to the FDA and not very scary to the FDA. So Mm -hmm. we did our trial under a new drug investigational application with the FDA, but they approved the trial very easily. So I think that this may be quick to get to uh, actual practical applications compared to other uh, uh, pharmaceutical interventions into aging. I think I can speak for everybody and all our listeners and say I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much. been joined by Dr. Greg Fay. Uh, he's a chief uh, scientific officer, co-founder of Intervene Immune. That sounds like uh, that would add to the quality of care, quality of life that we could have in retirement. We're going to cover all of that and more at our upcoming seminar, the first one of the new year. That's taking place on Tuesday, January the 21st, 7 o'clock, and being held at the Hamptons Golf Club. To, uh, to join us for that, you need to register. So give us a call at 966-8400 or go to morethanmoneyradio.com. Don't go away. We'll be hearing more about why Canadians might not be enjoying retirement as much as they'd hoped. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, love to keep abreast of uh, various polls throughout the course of the year on retirees. I mean, we've got a lot. Our demographic, uh, you know, this baby boom demographic is is retiring every single day. Mm-hmm. Right? And every year, there's more and more and more. Yep. The question is, how are we doing? So let me give you the headline number that came from this Sun Life poll. Okay. 72% of those that were surveyed said that retirement's not all cracked up what it thought it was going to be. I saw that. Now, there's another number here that scared me a little bit. 47% of working Canadians believe there's a serious risk that they could outlive their retirement savings. Yeah. So let's kind of dig and into hang this. And on. hang on. There's one more in here. I don't know if I can find it, and we're going to get our guest to um, make sure I've got my stats right. But almost three-quarters, I believe, in that report said they don't have a plan, a financial plan. Are you surprised about that? Well, I don't know that I'm surprised because we've seen enough poll uh, uh, studies to support that. But hope isn't a strategy. But out of every single person that comes to us for a second opinion, for every single person who said, can you just take a look at my situation? And we ask, where's your financial plan? How many of them actually can, can give us one? Yeah, not many. So that, anecdotally, it's anecdotally, the, the poll is matching it. Right. So empirically, like yeah. we've heard poll yeah. after poll after yeah. poll saying Canadians don't have a written financial plan. They have something like in the in the back of their head, like you know, I think I want well, to do a napkin it. calculation. And that that'd be just a good start. Okay, that'd be a good start. <laughs> okay, like there's nothing in writing. So so let's see if this if we can educate people again about this. It does take a little bit of effort. It does take some planning. Anyways, we've got uh, Tom Reed joining us today. He's a senior vice president of Group Retirement Services with Sun Life Financial. Tom, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, you got to help us here. We're trying to educate people as best we can. There's a lot of people moving into retirement. They're thinking about this. There's lots of fear and concern about all of these issues that we've talked about. You guys have done a recent poll, your 2019 barometer poll. Let's start at a high level, Tom. Just give us a sense of, of what you took away from the results of this poll. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I think, uh, Dave, I would, I would call this a bit of a clarion call for Canadians, right? right. So uh, what I see through this whole poll is uncertainty and unease and and you know there's 
related stress around uh, financial management, either for working Canadians or for Canadians who are retired. So, you know, I would hope that this nudges a bunch of people to think a little bit more planfully about their retirement savings and and seek out the advice of a trusted advisor. Um, you know, it's it's never too late to get an advisor and get yourself on track or back on track, and uh, and no amount of savings is too small. But get, seek out a trusted advisor so you can have a plan. And a lot of that uncertainty that I see through the results of this poll, I think could be could be dealt with, right? And put people on a better place, a better track to saving for retirement. So let's talk. Agree 100 percent with what, with what you said, and and I go back to what I said earlier. Hope's not a strategy, and there's a lot of people just running on hope, or they're unnecessarily worrying, right? And so they're de- decreasing or diminishing the quality of this retirement experience that they could be having because they haven't just done the work. We often talk about everybody knows what they're retiring from, but very few people know what they're retiring Correct. to. Correct. And then they haven't gone beyond that to say, is it sustainable? How do how do we do this? And the plan that they put together is sounds like it's a thirty year long weekend. Right. Like they're planning on all these trips right. or all these activities. That's not going to happen through the rest of their lives. So when they start to plan this thirty year right. long weekend, right. That's not it. they're 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 focusing the financial side of it on the activities not on what's going to happen over the long term. And I think many Canadians are in fear of the unknown. And sure. so yep. it's kind of like many Canadians don't go for a physical every year. Right. They're scared to find out what's the reality. Right. And so it's sometimes easier to put your head in the sand and not worry or not think about it than it is to actually put your head up and realize that you got you, you could be in control by knowing what the numbers are. Right. Tom, some of these numbers um, were, you know, kind of scary, right? 47% of working Canadians believes they're, you know, they could outlive their money. Uh, 44%, according to, uh, to your poll, indicate they expect to be employed full-time at the age of 66. Right? What, so there's a whole bunch of stats in there. It's not my idea just to read them all. But what caught your attention? You read through this. There's a lot of consistency that we're seeing here. But what, what numbers do you gravitate to that we could try to get people's attention on? Well, you know, I think the, the, the big, huge uncertainty, when you see 47% worried about outliving their savings, you know, the, the big thing they can't solve for, and it's, it's a challenge for everybody, including insurance companies, is uh, yeah. how long are you going to live, right? Right. And so on the one hand, people are worried about outliving their savings because longevity is improving for Canadians, continues to improve. You know, you hit age 65, the average male can expect to live on average 23 or 24 years and a female it's going to be 25 years so uh, but on the other hand canadians by and large don't want to buy an annuity because they're afraid that three years after they buy it they'll die and they won't be able to leave money to their estate so you know how do you buy protection how do you buy peace of mind uh in in terms of not um outliving your savings the best answer I have is is to get an advisor who can help walk you through that and help give you a better financial map of how long your savings will in fact last. Um, And Faisal, your point about uh, people think it's going to be a 30-year-long weekend is a good one. You know, there's there's certainly some of the non-essential spending will happen more earlier in your retirement. And and, uh, the focus more as you maybe get into your 80s is there's going to be other healthcare needs and, and other financial needs that will supplant travel and dining out and all the things that you might think you're going to do throughout that uh, that 30 year long weekend. So it's just it's complicated arithmetic, 
and and most Canadians are just uncomfortable with it, so they avoid doing it. Uh, I think the best advisors act as a great behavioral nudge, right? <laughs> they they just get people. They they create a discipline around your financial management, and and when you have an advisor, a good advisor, you're just going to sleep better at night knowing that you've got a plan. You're on plan. It might not be the plan you wanted. You know, you might not be able to travel the world every year for the next 10 years, but at least you've got a better sense of how to manage your money and how you can enjoy a comfortable retirement. So uh, I think that's, again, what I hope people come uh, come away from this poll um, realizing is that they should seek out some advice. Tom, that's a great point you just mentioned, that it may not be what you wanted, but at least you know what you have. And I think that's a very good piece. And it's not a it's not a numbers thing. When people hear these headline poll numbers, they think, well, you don't save enough, so you don't have enough. Right. That's not true. You could have $2 million in your savings, and it may not be enough. Right. You could outlive your money. It's all based on the relationship between what you spend and what you have. Right. And when you come out with that plan, with that strategy, and understand that it may not be what you thought it would be, that's the hardest thing to actually go through and then start to adjust in your mind what will need to be taken. What do you, what do you start cutting from what your expectations were yeah. to match that income? Well, and I think Tom makes a, a super good point here because one of the things that we tell people um, – when we're talking to them, whether it's a client or just somebody we're, we're chatting with, is that we have um, an obligation uh, to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Correct. Right? Because as the CEO of their money, the chief executive officer of their wealth, your advisory team is your chief financial officer. And to Tom's point, there's a whole bunch of different strategies that a family can take um, to, to put in place a plan, from annuities to stocks and everything in between, right? Real estate, closely held businesses. Everything, yeah. But, but you've got to have a plan in place of how all these things, these pieces of the puzzle fit together, and you've got to be educated so that you can make an informed decision about which path you're going to go down. Yeah, yeah. Tom, is there anything here that, that caught your interest? I mean, you guys do these kinds of polls on an ongoing basis. Is there a trend brewing here that we should be aware of? Well, the one, the one I would draw your attention to is, you know, the – you can't just show up at 60 or 65 and think, you know, what can I do now, right? So, so starting earlier helps. And, uh, and I would say uh, the whole notion of saving at the workplace is really important because, um, because it's, it's, again, it's got a great behavioral effect. You kind of show up at work, you start a new job, and they start deducting, and you live with whatever your net payroll is and, and your net take-home pay is. And, and it gets you on the path to saving for retirement. It's a, it's a relatively low-cost um, uh, retirement saving model. And then, you know, as you get closer to retirement, you're going to need advice, but you're going to have a little bit bigger um, pile of savings that your advisor can help you work with. And uh, not enough Canadians are taking advantage of the workplace savings where you get a 50% or a 100% employer match. Right. And so, you know, as you know, um, if you can put in a dollar of savings and your employer puts in 50 cents, that's a 50% return just for, show, just for showing up. 
and you can't really get returns like that anywhere else in the market. Guaranteed. So, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. so I think just these are simple things that Canadians can be doing. We, in our plans that we administer, we probably get about 65% participation wow. in the plans. And, and not all of those 65% are even contributing at the maximum to get the, the, uh, the top employer match. So there's a lot of uh, better behavior that we'd like to see in terms of Canadians saving for retirement at the workplace. And then, you know, as you, as you move to retirement, it's a much more complicated situation. There's a lot more factors to consider, you know, how much you're going to travel, dinner out, health care costs, etc. That's when the value of, of uh, advice, to my mind, um, just uh, goes up exponentially. So here's the headline. There's, there's, here's there's the headline, Tom. work on. Yeah. Tom, here's the headline for your next uh, next piece out. Canadians are giving away free money. We surprise, surprise. Three to four they don't billion want dollars a year that Canadians yeah. are leaving on the table. Yeah. And we don't want it. Match. <laughs> and we don't want it. Wow, that is a staggering number. <laughs> Tom, we, uh, we can't do justice to the entire uh, piece you've put out. We appreciate all the work you guys are doing uh, in the polling, and we thank you for your time today. Thank you, guys. We're joined by Tom Reed. He's a senior vice president of Group Retirement Services with Sun Life Financial. Buddy, we got to make this all make sense for people and give them a, a, a roadmap to, to make this happen, right? We're going to tackle all of that on Tuesday, January 21st. That's our next seminar. It takes place at 7 o'clock, and we're hosting it this time at the Hamptons Golf Club. To join us for that, I'd encourage you to give us a call at 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Now stick around after the break. We're going to be learning how pensions are now calculating what you might need for retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And um, we are experiencing a bit of a difference, Andrew, when it comes to how retirement is planned for today versus a generation ago or even a generation before that. Well, absolutely. And you know, when I look at it for myself, Faisal, as a financial planner and you know, when my parents passed away, my dad passed away at 74, my mom passed away at 80. Um, there's a significant difference. They retire at 65, dad passed away at 74. It's not a big life lifespan. Lifespan of longevity. So planning's pretty easy for that. Yeah, planning for 10 years is different than so, today where, where people are living longer. And that could be in excess of 30, 35, or 40 years, depending on the person. And, and so what people need to understand how are they going to prepare themselves for it and let's have a good conversation we have philip mullen vice president and retirement solutions lead for western canada at morneau chapelle philip welcome to the show hi Faisal. so are canadians are, are we ready are we ready for this this whole change in uh, in longevity no, I don't think uh, many people really appreciate the difference. As, as Andrew mentioned there, it's, uh, we've gone from a situation where people were planning for maybe 10 years of retirement at the end of working for maybe 40 years um, to a situation now where people are working less, uh, maybe starting their careers later, taking career breaks, certainly starting families later. So that working period is much shorter, and then the retirement period is as more like 20, 25 years. So it's, it's becoming more similar to the actual uh, period of working and uh, when you're trying to build up those savings. And this conundrum of life expectancy, kind of walk our listeners through what are some of the concerns and things they need to be aware of. Yeah, I think one of one of the things that certainly Andrew mentioned his his parents. My my dad certainly has a very uh, pessimistic outlook to his uh, his life expectancy. You know, as an actuary, I'm trying to tell him he's going to live closer to ninety, and 
he keeps telling me he's going to he's going to die any day now. So <laughs> that's kind of how he's, uh, he's he's spending his money. Um, but I think uh, people, you know, if they have an appreciation of the fact that even even though they may be only healthy for the next few years, they may actually may actually live for a lot longer um, through care and so on. So. Uh, that requires a different set of financial planning. And in an environment where uh, companies are providing less and less uh, support in this space, uh, and really, the, you know, we've seen the rise of defined contribution and, and capital accumulation savings plans for, for employees over the last 10, 20 years in place of those traditional kind of defined benefit plans that provided a, a, a kind of guaranteed benefit. All the risk is on the uh, individual to manage their money and finances and, and try and make sure they last all the way to that to the final final uh, final year of their life, which can be really challenging because obviously uh, nobody really knows uh, how long they're going to live. So it, it requires much more thought and much more planning than than ever before. So, so Andrew and Philip, both of you have the experience and expertise in this area um, when it comes to what individuals can do. There's multiple options. It's not just one option. And, and no. most people hear this, you're going to live longer, which quote-unquote means you got to save a lot more. That well, may not be the only option. I don't think that's the only option, but I think Philip brings in a good point too, that you know, it's not about you know, living 10 or 12 years. You know, there's probably going to be a health, health concern in the future. There's going to be something that's going to you know, perhaps drive that income level down or, or, or force people to do things that they weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, you know, in, when I look at my mom as a case, she, she ended up coming down and having dementia. And dementia, of course, um, has a good long life expectancy, at least 10 years for most people after diagnosis. So, yeah. so not only do we have to take care of ourselves throughout our, our lifetime, but we have crises along the way. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. Now, obviously, we can plan just to go into a certain age, um, you know, whether that be 90 or 95, which is I, I what we like, plan for. Yeah, I, yeah. I like 95. Um, another way might be uh, and Philip may want to chime in on it is is um, front loading your retirement. So maybe you're retiring at 55, 65, depending on what you want to do. And you take more money now, and you accept the fact that you're going to take less later. So, Phil, what's your comments on that one? Because that's an option that people can have. They're concerned that they're, they'll run out of money, but they have their, and I call them the fun years in the first 10 years, 15 years of their retirement, and then it's not as fun as it used to be, and so they might be spending less. In your research or from anecdotally what you know, is, is that an, a viable option? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great comment because yeah, those first ten years of retirement, I guess, are the fun years. You're traveling, your your expenses are typically higher. Uh, we 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 kind of call it the U curve because you've got the, those high expenses in the first years, and then kind of the middle years of retirement. Uh, I guess the, the the income need drops quite significantly. You, you know, people aren't as mobile, aren't aren't probably doing as as many things. But then, as you mentioned, those last five ten years can be extremely expensive through medical needs and care and so we see the the income requirement perhaps spike dramatically in those final years so and that's why we call it the kind of u-curve um so uh, that's something that a lot of people don't plan for especially those final years um and and sometimes have to rely on family and, and children and so on for support in those years um but yeah i uh, there, there's definitely different needs over that 20, 25 years of retirement uh, period that, that, that people have. Um, one of the other trends I, I just mentioned, just to add to what Andrew was saying, is that 
we're definitely seeing a trend of, of people not kind of taking a hard retirement, you know, working, you know, 40 hour a week and then stopping. Um, we're, we're seeing a, a much greater trend towards phased retirement where people will take a part time position for a while for a few years um, maybe take fewer shifts. People people may be retiring from one job and, and taking another job that has a, a lower lower commitment for uh, in terms of time and, and maybe energy as well. So uh, that's definitely a, tr- a growing trend we're seeing so, in so terms of how people manage. We're hearing option number one is save more money. Option number two, um, basically that U-curve you were mentioning, you're going to spend more at the beginning, spend less, and then it comes back up. Be prepared for that. Option number three is a phased retirement going from full-time employment to maybe part-time employment or um, maybe seasonal mm-hmm. and then and then you can have your full retirement later on later year, years on what about um, just delaying your retirement I think we were all living longer and we used we used to believe that freedom 55 remember those commercials were going all over the place and people yeah. were like I call them brainwashed because everybody has to retire at 55 yeah. <laughs> and so we've we've I think we're realizing freedom 55 is not possible for many Canadians um, and so what about delaying it to, let's call it freedom 70. 75. I know I'm going to get hate mail for this one, um, but, but uh, Philip, what are your thoughts of, of Canadians actually saying, hey, you may not have the savings that you need, or maybe a phased retirement might not work, so delay your retirement. Yeah, I know it's a great point because uh, you know obviously when you're you're, you're in your sixties you're you're still healthy for hopefully and uh, probably a, a lot more flexible than than in those later years. So if, if that's an option, uh, absolutely. And, and and we're seeing people that don't want to retire as well. Like they they still have passion about uh, what they're what they're doing. They still still want to be out there, uh, obviously contributing and and, and working. So. Uh, absolutely, if if that's an option um, and you can delay it. Um, we're, one of the I won't go into all the details, but there's some some quite generous um, benefits to retiring later from the Canadian Pe- Canada Pension Plan, where uh, you know the the, the benefit increases uh, quite significantly the, the the later you delay it. So that is a strategy, absolutely, and I'm sure Andrew talks to to, to folks every day about uh, you know what what that, exactly that looks like. You know, Faisal, you mentioned or Philip mentioned the word purpose, and I think it's really interesting because you know it comes down to um, what. A retiree's mindset is and what their purpose or their ambition or, or um, um, their why is. Um, mm-hmm. Why are they here? Why? What am I going to do next? And uh, I, I know when I'm looking at um, not only clients on anecdotally, but um, family members in the past where um, I'm not ready to retire. I'm not ready to go at 65 because or, or 55 or whatever that number is simply because I want to continue to contribute. And yeah. it had nothing to do with the being money. engaged. It's an engagement thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, Philip, we do have to go, so I'm going to give you about 15 seconds to kind of answer this one. What's one thing that Canadians need to do to be prepared for their retirement? I would say be vocal about their needs. Talk to people. Um, mm-hmm. Find out, f- find out, uh, f- you know, find out from friends what they're doing and just talk about it. Um, don't, don't try and do it alone. Be vocal. Love it. Philip Mullen, Vice President and Retirement Solutions Lead for Western Canada at Morneau Chappelle. Philip, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Take care. So, Andrew, there's a whole bunch of options that you have, and there's yep. a strategy that needs to be put into place, being vocal, like Philip said, about about retirement and understanding not only an investment decision, but also what you're going to be doing and the other concerns, such as health care, taxes, and so forth. And we'll be covering that and more on uh, Tuesday, January the 21st, 7 p.m. at the Hamptons Golf Club. 
I want you to give us a call at 966-8400 to register your seat, or you can do that online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about whether you can ever have too much money. That's on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Andrew on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, really interesting show today. Um, lifestyle pieces, financial pieces, crazy markets. I mean, it's yeah. it's got everything, right? It's a it's a Clancy novel all rolled into one, I right? Just called it a smorgasbord. Suspense is great. That's right. Now, <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's let's bring it home because it was an interesting week, and um, one of the things that was a common theme, you know, when we were talking about the show, uh, I thought you put this brilliantly. You said, "Let's talk about a problem that we're seeing," and the problem is. You just have too much wealth. Now, that seems like a really <laughs> odd comment, Dave, because, you know, as a financial planner, the first thing is to figure out, hey, right. do I have enough wealth and can I sustain the lifestyle I want? But, right. you know, there's a different problem here, and that's there's a lot of Canadians out there that have too much wealth. And that doesn't mean they're multimillionaires. Right. That means that they have significant assets to fund their lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle means. Right. More than what they need. More than what they it's need. Just to fund the lifestyle, yeah. Exactly. And then they have a whole bunch of money or, or, or wealth that's going to be left aside either to the next generation. But there's a problem that comes with that. And right. one of the major problems, that, and, and there's a whole bunch of problems that come with that. First of all, you know, high five, you're, you're in that camp right. if, that's, if that's who you are. Um, but more importantly, we got to start thinking about some of the other challenges that you're going to have throughout your life with, those, uh, with that wealth and how you're going to move forward with it. Because... We are seeing it more and more where people think, you know, they, they, they're going to spend, but they're only spending X and they have Y. Yep. And when that money moves on, to, it either moves to the next generation, what does it go through first? It goes through probate. It yep. goes through the tax man. Yep. It goes through everything else. Right. And then finally something comes out on the end. And, you know, that's just one of many things that happen. Well, I'll tell you about an experience I had. And so uh, we, we put out an article on our uh, LinkedIn page. So you can connect with Faisal or myself on LinkedIn. And we did this piece on, you know, if you're helping, if you help your kids financially, are you really helping them, right? You create yes. problems. Okay. So that was an interesting uh, piece that we did. And then this week I, uh, I had an interesting conversation because it was about, it was with a gentleman, he uh, happened to be a farmer, farm family. And uh, it's now time to start thinking about how you're going to transition the assets to the next generation and a couple of kids are actively farming one wasn't mm-hmm. you know he's going oh my like what do i do about this because i could how do i protect the kids and so that they're not fighting at the end of the day and how do i reward the kids that are actively farming and how do i make sure that there's something you know fair for the for the child that's not and it was an interesting right this is only a problem you have if you just have too much yep right so when we say too much the initial reaction is ah, that's not a problem but it actually is a problem, right? And as you said, well, there's a number of angles here. No, but I, I, there is a number of angles. It's not just the tax yeah. man. It could be transition to the next generation. Right. It could be, uh, you know, giving charities to your choice. It could be a whole bunch of things. Right. It doesn't have to be just that one thing. Right. Um, but let me take you through the sort of the, the complexity of this one. I mean, you and I, you and I talked about this, but it was, it was interesting, right? So when we we always say the word plan, well, you should do yeah. some planning about that. Well, what the heck does that mean, Dave? Right. Well. <clears throat> This was an interesting experience in the, because at the very end of this meeting, uh, this gentleman's comment was, this is the first time I've ever actually had a plan to do something about this. Okay, so what does that mean? How do you get from this place of confusion and fear and worry 
about having too much and ensuring that it doesn't destroy the family and yep. you know all those things to this place of saying, okay, I have a plan. Well, this is it's relatively complex, and I'm not going to go th- through all the details, but you know, in essence, there's there's two farm companies involved, then there's privately held land, there's yep. three children, two farming, one not, and they all have their own families. Okay, yes. you get the sense. So, how do we structure this thing? And when when we sort of gathered what the goals of this gentleman were, his wife. Um, has passed. What were the goals? The goals were to ensure something um, fair, didn't mean equal in his particular case, but fair to all three kids, ensuring that the um, uh, farmland was transitioned um, and stayed within the family. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you you get a sense. There was a few more, but this is, this is what we were trying to figure out. And uh, when the plan was, when we, when we put it all together uh, was, actually an amalgamation of a couple of companies. It involved stripping out some assets into a new company and then uh, gifting assets in his lifetime to kids' companies, right? And then um, tax planning in the future Mm -hmm. because there's now a bunch of money trapped in a corporation. How do we get it out to the next generation? So there was a series of steps, right? And it sounds, it it was a big problem. He was overwhelmed when we started because there's a lot of moving parts. But by the time we sort of worked through it, and it was just step by step by step, these are the things that you need to do. These are the tax implications. Here's the investment implications. Educating him about all of these things. And not only the education point, but when we talked about this, um, you know, leaving in a team dynamic. Right. This is what we suggest. Right. Now, let's go and vet this through your 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 tax accountant yep. and, and and your accounting team and make sure we're on the same page. Right. And if it makes sense to them and it makes sense to you, then maybe this is the direction we need to go down together. Right. Um, versus this is how you should do it. This is why. So it was the collaborative plan and approach that drove this thing. Right. Um, which makes you know once again, as I said, if you have too much, you've just really got to spend some time to figure out what you're going to do with it, how you're going to do with it. Right. And plan it appropriately. It just, just it, it with us. It starts with the advisor, but it doesn't end there. Well, you know, we, we say hope isn't a strategy. <laughs> okay, if hope's not a strategy, what's the opposite of that? Well, peace of mind is derived through education and and, and process, right? The yes. plan. That's ultimately understanding the steps you're doing and then executing on those steps, right? That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really um, interesting to watch the transition as this. This gent goes from this place of confusion and almost like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here, right? This is a mess to, okay, now I've yeah. got, I understand the steps we need to execute it. That's the plan. The plan ended. There's still a bunch of execution, dude, don't get me wrong. But it ended with a peace of mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's comment. This is the first time that I've actually had a plan. I get it. Yep. Right? And it's based on his goals and objectives in this case, or his family's goals and objectives. So it was interesting. It was interesting to see. But I have to tell you. Uh, we did have a chuckle in, in, in this particular meeting, too, because he was just a, he's just a good old-fashioned working guy, Yep. right? All of a sudden, wakes up 30 or 40 years later after putting his head down and working hard, and he's going, well, okay, I actually did pretty good, better than I thought. Yep. And then, uh-oh, now i got a whole bunch of different challenges that I need to think about. Well, and those challenges are important with every family. Right. Um, it doesn't matter where it is um, or, or how much you have. It's, it's a challenge of you know, making sure that um, things are done appropriately now that goes to an estate question but right. you know challenges for every different way whether it be a you know single person a family or not it's 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 a challenge yeah always you had an interesting conversation also uh with a gentleman this yeah. it actually goes back in time this is a sort of an um 
takes you back to some uh, previous careers, a guy you used to know. And But a similar kind of thing. You, you guys, I think it was last week you and Faisal were talking about, or the week before, about how to shift assets from one spouse to another properly so that income can now be shared um, and split and reduced taxes and so on and so forth. And, and yeah. he called you and he said, holy cow. That was a great idea. Nobody's ever talked to me about that before. Yeah, and, and you know, it's one of many ideas out there, right? But, you know, I always joke about it as a financial planner. We throw things on the wall like spaghetti, and we figure out what's going to land, what makes sense, and, and right. if it resonates with whoever it is. Right. Um, and, and, you know, one of the key factors there is just saying, hey, this is a strategy that works for some, not for all. Yeah. But it works. And that's the thing. Get the objectives and then work backwards from that. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we got to sign off here. We're running out of time. We've got a, a seminar coming up. Let's quickly remind everybody of that. Sure. Um, we're having a seminar on uh, Tuesday, uh, January 21st at 7 p.m. at the Hampton, Hampton Golf Club. Um, so please give us a call if you'd like to join in, 966-8400. That's uh, 966-8400 or morethemoneyradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We hope to talk to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.